Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. After the joy of uh, Anna's music last week, what could we possibly do next? (laughs) Hello, I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. It was, it was only last week that um, Anna gave us an insight into the music that she was going to launch, and she did it yesterday, at the Rockefeller Foundation in New York. She launched, along with the book, if that's leading I'm in, um, she launched the music that she wrote as a result of the first Women Emerging Expedition. And the music's title is Elle est Visible. She is visible. If you missed last week's episode, go back to it now. It's, It's beautiful. It reflects the truth that all the way through that first expedition, whenever words failed us or began to play tricks on us or, or, or stopped us from bringing, from coming together, Anna's music saved us and sort of took us over and took us upwards so that we we carried on with our expedition. Anna's music is beautiful and I and I hope you don't miss last week's episode. So how do you beat that kind of an episode? Well, I think by going back to the advice, the emails that, that I've been getting from everybody who listens to this episode, these episodes, this podcast, you keep asking for more, more, more practical advice. So the next few episodes, that the sort of first of the series of 2024 episodes, will be going very, very practical. Addressing the questions that you've sent me that, that largely start with, but how? But how do you make a decision? But how do you reverse a decision? But how do you actually build a team? Masses and masses of but hows over the next few weeks. And that, I think, will take us back to the basics of leading. So if this series is about the basics, I thought I'd start with basics and I'd go back and interview my very first boss. She was called Julia Cleverden, another Julia, Julia Cleverden. And I worked for her when I was, well, I worked for her first when I was 23, over 42 years ago. She used to talk then and does still, a great deal about leading being actually quite simple and basically about combining three things. How do you combine building a team, developing individuals 
and achieving the task. She used to put them into three circles, three overlapping circles. And she said, you know, good leading is when you, you're right in the middle of the overlap. It's when you are cleverly combining all three that good leading really emerges. Uh, I'll leave you to to listen and for her to explain. So everybody asked me, Julia, about where I learned the basics of leading. And I definitely learned the basics of leading the hard way by working for you. You were my first boss. And you used to talk all the time about three circles called task, team and individual. And I wondered if you would share that with us now. And I was pretty new to leadership. So I probably knew the concepts. I may not actually, I was probably practicing on you, Julia, if I think about it. And this was a method that the British Army had developed, which had got to be so simple for people to be able to remember it. And that is one of the things I have learned over 50 years, that if it isn't simple, nobody will remember it. And the three circles said that what every leader in any situation is trying to do is to achieve the task, build the team, and develop individuals. And the three circles are overlapping because if you shove on achieving the task, if you remind people about it, you call the purpose to the team, that builds the team. We're all together trying to sell this product, provide service to the poor, deal with the ambulance waiting times. Reminding teams about the common task is a critical part of leadership. But it's not just a jolly team, and very frequently they're not very jolly. It is a collection of individuals who are motivated slightly differently, with different aspirations, expectations. Some want to be the leader, some certainly don't want to be the leader. Some have enormous strengths and skills in one area, but are blind spots in the other. So you've got somehow as a leader to achieve the task, which is the thing which actually pulls teams together. But you've also got to integrate and understand and care about each individual's contribution. And it's the sweet spot is where the, all, all three circles overlap. Yes. I mean, there are, I think, times in a... Um, in any leadership journey in which you are shoveling like mad on the task. And in the end, teams that achieve tasks, teams that win football matches, teams that can see the figures rising in the right direction, that pulls a team together. But there are times, certainly, when you've shoved so hard on the task that you've not done enough to understand the needs, the problems, the miseries, the failures, of individuals. And there are other times when teams turn on individuals and they become the enemy. And you are trying to say, well, I know Sam is difficult, but that's because Sam's brain does not work, thank God, in the way in which my brain works. He is an absolute detail merchant. And he did not think that anybody listened hard enough to what Sam was trying to say. So there are certainly moments in which you are trying to move your balance onto, right, now we've really got to 
pick up the individual. And it can happen that prima donna individuals completely disrupt the entire thing. They're not a team. We're all having to listen to what Sue is. Sue thinks we should do. But actually, Sue is not the only pebble on the beach, as my mother used to say. She's part of a team and she's got to work in a team. So, yeah, there are times in life, for me, it's more about I'm so passionate about the task generally that I always believe that the <laughs> the team will be formed or will long to achieve the task. And that's not always the case. The key thing all the time, really, as I've learned more over the years, is what is the individual strength and skill that you particularly want to be brought to bear on this situation. At times, individuals are the most important indicator as to whether you're going to be able to achieve this particular thing. And that's when it's difficult because you're actually saying, look, we, we're going to go the way that Sam is suggesting because Sam's understanding of this issue is greater than any of the rest of us. Tell us, Sam, what do you think we should now do? And that pisses off somebody else who thinks they're just as good as Sam. But you've got, as a leader, to be able to get a team to be strong enough to recognise that together we can achieve these things. And at times, some people will have more influence than others. When have you got this balancing act wrong? Generally, when I'm personally scared about my ability to achieve uh, the money. I mean, I, like you, have worked primarily in the charity sector most of my life, but with sort of business overtones and quite a lot of big money to be, you know, earned by the end of the financial year or this quarter or whatever. And probably I've got it wrong when I've been over-determined that my plan is right and I've not done enough to take others' plans in. I mean, I nearly bankrupted business in the community at one moment when we were, I don't know, millions of pounds behind. And I just said, right, we're not going to have, I'm going to have eight people in the boat and everybody else will report to those eight people. I'm not continuing on the structures that we've got. It's all too lengthy and problematical. And I put eight people in the boat and said, right, we've now got two months to raise three million or whatever it was. And I very, very nearly lost the lot because actually I wasn't taking enough time to make sure that people were on side, agreed, agreed, or if they didn't agree, they would note that I'd taken that decision and they would allow me for a variety of reasons to, to continue with it. So I think the things where I've got it wrong is where I've been too didactic about how this is going to work. And I can think of some, you know, near disasters and probably disasters. So so in that case, you're saying, I mean, you, when the going gets tough, you tend to revert to team. Uh, sorry, not to team, to task. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most leaders in organisations where there are structures and accountabilities and we've got to do this and we've got to try and get the shipment to Japan or whatever it is, I think you tend to revert to task. But if you haven't done enough to charge your batteries in your teams, 
and you don't understand the individuals well enough. And that is probably the thing I've learned more than anything in the last 20 years. You've got to, you've got to concentrate with the individual to really get under the skin of what they are. And I think now, you know, at 70, having done 50 years of <laughs> hopelessly learning to lead, I realize even more how important the individual is and their aspirations, wishes, terrors, fears. It's interesting years on because it's 40 years since um, we first met. You know, achieve the task. I wonder if today's world, it's the task or it's the purpose? It's a great question as to whether what we are now are trying to do is to achieve the purpose or achieve the task. I mean, purpose is a way of setting the task in a context. You know, the old, old line about what are you doing? Well, you might think that I'm uh, just hammering this piece of wood in, but actually I'm hammering this piece of wood in in Lincoln Cathedral uh, because actually I'm building a cathedral. You may think I'm just building, repairing a small piece of the nave, but actually I'm keeping this incredibly beautiful very, very, very old cathedral going, because actually for the community around Lincoln, they look up and they see that incredible cathedral on the hill and it raises their heart and it gives them some sense of history and perspective. But actually, yes, you might think I'm just the maintenance man plodding about in Lincoln Cathedral or, you know, whatever the other purposes are. I think purpose is about inspiration and task, you know, Give me a good task. I can, I hope I can inspire people on the task. I've just been <laughs> driving the National Literacy Trust Business Council into why there isn't anything more important than trying to get more people in Britain and more business leaders to recognize that it's early years which matter most. It's your and my grandchildren, naught to five. Did we realize 40 years ago that how their brains are wired? are almost entirely shaped in the first 24 months of their life. I did not badly on explaining to my new council, the purpose is to get people to understand that in Britain at every age and stage and phase. We just got to concentrate on early years. And if you get the early years right, it's extraordinary what we can then achieve. The task in the context of purpose and the job of the leader is almost to paint the task into another person's head so that they understand why the task matters. The building the team, probably exactly the same words. Interesting, develop the individuals. I wonder, is it now include the individuals? No, because, I mean, include is taken as read. If you haven't included the individuals in a team, you are absolutely lost. Individual souls are clearly both included, but much more than included. They're understood, they're known about. We know what the issues are for them. We understand what their strengths are. We've got some thought about where they want to go. We understand if their children are kicking off they you you know now that oh my god the the issue for her is that the dropping off of the number two grandchild can't be done until 8 40 so continually saying she's got to be in by nine is nonsense 
what now can we do to manage the structures so that, you know, if you come in at 9.15, Jackie likes coming in early because she drops off her grandchild at 20 past six. So actually, that's where the flexibility can come from. And that's why, you know, everybody's moaning away at the moment about, oh, this terrible flexibility. We've got to get them back in the office. I mean, that's absolute nonsense. You've got to have people around you enough to be able to inspire and understand and learn and create. But actually, there are lots of jobs now which are much better done fitting into a family or a home life, which in the end charges your batteries to help you to give better to the work that you're in. It's a balance. So I think it, the word isn't include. For me, the word is develop. How can you get them to be the very best they can be? And what can you do? And sometimes that's saying, Lovey, you've absolutely dropped the ball here. Let me just go through why X is so cross about Z. Now, I understand why you did it, because by and large, like me, you failed to engage brain before you open mouth. But all of us have got to do better on this. So let me take you through where I think we can help. So that isn't about not having the tough conversations. It's about knowing them well enough, knowing an individual well enough to know how to have the tough conversation. I remember that there used to be an exercise that you ran. I remember you turning up with a sort of five or six packs of cards in a in a in a in a sack, if I remember rightly. And rather aggressively, you just threw all these cards, so 52 times four cards, onto the floor. And I remember you choosing sort of five people and then saying to one of them, you're the leader. And I give you, I think you said two minutes to put these cards back in some sort of order. And it was an exercise, I think, to test the leader and to, to then debrief the leader. So tell me, what were you watching for when you were doing that? What were the common mistakes that a leader would make with that small team of four people with a time limit and a clear task to sort these cards back out again? And maybe I'll add to that that some of those packs of cards were French with a, a valley, a dame roi, um, and some of them were um, King, Queen, Ace, and some of them were from all over the world. What were you watching for in that leader in terms of task, team, and individual? Well, what you're always watching for, for me, is does the leader dive in themselves and begin sorting cards? Because that's the obvious thing. Or does the leader say, right, what fun? How do you help people to want to do the task? I mean, what on earth is going on here is absolutely mad. How do you get people to do things that they don't at that moment understand why they're doing it, but the force of the personality or the setting of the context can get a can get individuals to begin to become a team. So what words do you use? Do you use we? Do you use you? Do you use us? How do you get a team to begin to be a team? Common experience, common task. So wait a minute, um, let's stop for a second. So the first thing you're watching for is leaders who just dive in there and, and the, <laughs> forget they're leading anybody. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the second one is that you're looking for leaders who produce the we and the us and not the you or the me. Yeah. Yeah. Because words and how you get people to be part of it, part of whatever it is you at that moment want them to do, the language is so important. But the most important single problem is leaders who dive in to ensure that they are working at 120% incredible brains and they've got five people standing around them who are doing absolutely nothing, waiting for wind. One person may be vaguely trying to, you know, oh, I vaguely, I do do French, I've vaguely seen these cars before. But actually the leader is so head down, they've got no clue as to, as to what the engagement is of the other five. So the first thing you got watch for is what does the leader do to engage the team? Begin quickly to understand where the skills are in the team. Who's been a croupier? Who speaks French? Who's a you know member of Gamblers Anonymous? Uh, who loves practical stuff? Uh, and who actually is rather lost in all of this and should therefore just be put to finding the find the aces? Or would you take charge of the stock control? You just get them into it. How quickly can you assess what your skills are and then begin to make it either competitive, split them into two teams. You lot get me three packs. You lot get me the other two packs. Go. Who can go past? You're the red team. You're the blue team. Right. Let's see. Because competition actually does, in general, inspire gr slightly greater speed. Not always. Uh, and uh, can go very wrong. But you'd be trying to see against a time limit what's the quickest way of getting five people to work together without falling over each other. And then the leader, in my book, stands back to be both the inspirer, the enthuser, the encourager, and the traffic controller, the spotter of the fact, oh, God, I said everybody collect aces. So sorry, I didn't mean aces. I meant jacks kings queens you know so that you are you've got to have enough of a vision over it i mean overseer is a you know in the old days was a word used to talk about overseers uh because they did have the line of sight as to where who was in who was out who was included who wasn't included who actually knows nothing about cards, has never played cards, doesn't believe in cards, religion against cards. Oh, my God, and I'm not going to put them in charge of, you know, the wrong thing. How do you do with the people like me who just sort of sit and cross my arms and say, I'm not playing this silly game? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you know them well enough, you say, now, Julia, uh, I don't need giraffe-like activity at the moment. Uh, I absolutely understand you could be a giraffe and you're a very, very good giraffe. But actually, at this moment, I know you speak French. Will you kindly collect the French cards? So it's some of it's about humour. Um, leaders who take themselves too seriously or tasks too seriously, you know, get quite a lot of crossed arms. You know, you can watch teams, you can watch board members in which not one single person has spoken to a non-exec who is sitting doing their emails on the side. And nobody appears to have noticed in a four-hour meeting 
that actually they might just, you know, we could have saved their cup of coffee. And actually there are things they could have contributed on, but nobody knew enough to know what they know to say. Now we're coming to this very important strategic issue on the subject of supply chains. Now, surely you revolutionized the whole of supply chains in Marks and Spencer's, didn't you? And that's where what I learned from in my earliest life was the man who you and I both worked for, who took immense trouble with individuals always to understand where they'd come from, where they'd been born, where they went to school, what the influences were on them. And then, and then, and then you were at a, uh, then you worked for Warburton's, then you went on to Greg's, then what happened then? Then you moved to Sri Lanka, then you came back again. Was that because of the daughter? No, that, so that you understand a bit, you never understand enough, but you understand a bit about what the drivers were for that individual. Why, why is Julia looking tricky at the moment? Why is that non-exec not coming in? So it is a watching, listening, understanding. And that means that if you are so involved in being the great I am, you won't be able to, to see how to pull the strengths and the skills and the motivation and the 120%. It used to be a very good question that John used to ask when he, when he walked the job in dockyards. And I remember he once said to a young apprentice, how much do you think you could give given 100% today? How much do you think of your energy, drive, motivation, knowledge? How much do you think you've given? And the boy said, oh, I should think about half. And John said, 50%, that's not bad. And he said, no, half a percent. Mm. And I think that's... Um, I think that's the real leadership task is how do you get people to give the very maximum they can give to whatever it is we are trying together to achieve. So task team and individual has stood the test of time. It certainly stood the test of time for me over the years when I've got my leading into a mess. I usually try and sort of step away and try to think through where I've got the combining wrong. Somehow the shapes help me. What do I most commonly find I'm getting wrong? <laughs> well, too much revealing here, but um, I think that sometimes I drive, well, when I get frustrated, about lack of progress, I tend to drive the task circle far too hard and lose sight of the buy-in from the individuals and the team. I'm driving it hard, driving it task hard, and you have to drive task hard sometimes, but I suspect sometimes I do it too quickly and willingly. Second one I get wrong is I just... I forget how much you have to repeat the task and um, paint the picture of the task and tell the stories to illustrate the task and make that picture and the stories 
reveal the purpose because we're not achieving a task just for a task's sake. We're achieving it because there's a there's a bigger purpose. Now, I don't think I'm bad at expressing that bigger purpose, but I think sometimes I forget that you have to do it absolutely constantly, almost all the time. That's one of your biggest jobs as a leader. And I think the third one that I get wrong is, well, the most commonly get wrong, I get lots wrong, is is developing too deeper relationships with the individuals I work with and, and, and doing that at the expense of building the team so that the, the team really suffers. And, and the result is that I become the sort of centre of a spoke, um, of a hub, and everything has to go through me and it slows everything down. And I think that sometimes I lose sight or forget to put the energy into the team. Um, So that's where I get my combining. Most commonly wrong, though I often get it wrong. So I hope that task team and individual is as helpful to you as it has been to me over the years. Um, I particularly hope that it will be useful to you because... And next week, we're going to stay with Julia Cleverton. And um, I hope you'll join us again. And what we'll do is we'll go deeper into some of the issues behind task, team and individual. In the meantime, sending lots of love, Julia. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org. Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in.